Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton. You're joining me is Jerry Hamilton of InsideTexas.com as well as On3 Sports. Uh, Jerry, setting up to be a big week for our weekend uh, for the Longhorns. There's some breaking recruiting news we need to get to. Uh, Texas also uh, picked by the Big 12 uh, atop the Big 12 rankings. Uh, and then we had a basketball pledge yesterday that completed Rodney Terry's uh, offseason. I mean, I pretty successful offseason for Rodney Terry. But let's get to the breaking news. Uh, two things uh, or three things, really. Uh, Corian Gibson, yeah. a talented defensive back out of uh, Lancaster, announced yesterday that he will be uh, making his decision public on July 22nd at Lancaster High School. You talked to the head coach yesterday uh, there at Lancaster. What's the very latest on uh Corian Gibson and his decision, uh, whether or not uh, it's going to be Texas, Clemson, or whomever. Yeah, I got a, I actually got a text uh, last week, um, beginning of July, from uh, people close to Lancaster program saying he's going to announce here in the next couple of weeks, probably, or set his date. Well, it turns out he set his date, uh, obviously, on Thursday, and that's for July 22nd. Um, you know, nothing's really done anything to back me off, or, you know, Justin Wells. Anybody off the RP, Sam Spiegelman off the RPMs, our picks for Texas are feeling like Texas is in a good spot. Um, I, I I think there's a lot of confidence on the Texas side right now in this recruitment. I'm interested to see if there's as much confidence on the Clemson side. I think the far further this gets away from those that official visit for Dabo, I think has been uh, not as positive uh, for the ACC's best program. Uh, I think Ohio State's running third, and then you know obviously TCU. It is their fourth place right now. He made an official visit there. But this is coming down to Texas or Clemson, uh, and it always has been, barring the unforeseen. I mean, uh, but I, I like where Texas sits. I think there's some confidence on the Texas side. At this point, I think it would kind of be an upset if he went to Clemson, even though he's taken three visits there since the spring. Let me ask you this. I mean, his, his uh, friend Jordan Johnson Rebell committed to Texas to safety. We've had him. We've had Jordan on this show, uh, you know, and – my, my, my thought process here is you and I know package deals are right. a facade for the most part. I mean, it right. just it doesn't happen that often. At the same time, no one ever categorized this that way. Uh, they are two separate recruitments. Texas right. recruited them separately. It wasn't an either or situation. It was we want both. Right. Um, you know, in my opinion, that helps when it's that way because neither player feels slighted or less than or whatever. And I, I feel like Texas recruited these these guys the right way. And I think it ultimately will pay dividends here. Is that is that something that you would agree with? And and, and I would say this, too, not just for those two guys, uh, uh, Jordan Johnson Bell, who's originally from Fort Worth, now down at IMG Academy in uh, Florida, or the young man from Lancaster, Corey and Gibson, but also the other guys along I-20. Uh, you and I have mentioned this and you've been a big, big talker about this, is that there's so many of those guys that are they're not tied together, but they're loosely affiliated and very fr friendly. And, you know, they I think they genuinely like each other. No, I think there's a real respect for all those guys between each other. You know, like DeCorian Moore, top one of five star 2025 receiver out of Duncanville High showing up at Jordan Johnson Rebell's press conference. Jordan Johnson Rebell came on on Texas football and said, well, our moms are best friends. I mean, so. Uh, there's a healthy respect for each other along I-20, even though on Friday nights, Jonte Cook wanted to beat Duncanville more than anything. 
And Colin Simmons wanted to beat DeSoto more than anything. They want those bragging rights, all right? I've been to those football and basketball games over the years. Uh, but there's a healthy respect there. But I, I think you hit on the nail on the head, and I think it's why Sark has been so successful in recruiting is I, I think they have good plans. They have good approaches. Um, there's consistency in what they do, and they're not making many mental errors. Uh, I, I think that's the thing. You know, like when Corey Gibson decided he won a chance at corner first, Texas immediately started shifting gears from Blake getting the Terry Joseph in that recruitment, and Sark, Gideon, and Joseph are all involved in that recruitment. But Texas wasn't – they weren't pig-headed about it or hard-headed about it, whatever term you want to use and just keep Blake Gideon on Corey and Gibson. That would have ruined that recruitment. So I, I think they're just smart in what they do. I think they're uh, calculated in a good way in what they do. And I think they're organized in, in their recruiting efforts as a staff. And, and I think that's really important right now because it, the worst thing I, I think could happen with a kid like a Gibson, Corey Gibson, who wanted to change, you know, wanted to go from a safety recruit to a corner recruit, is that send them mixed messages from head coach, safety coach, corner coach. I think they transition well and they're sending the correct messages to recruits and you better send the right, the correct messages because all these kids talk. Yeah. I, and I and agree. you're dead in the water if you don't. Well, especially if they're that tight and that close. Yeah. Right. I think that's good. And, and the other thing I would say about Corian um, is that, uh, you know, Lancaster is just, I mean, it's in that same corridor. Yes. Right. Yes. And so they, they all know each other. And I think it's I think it's great. July 22nd is his uh, date. He's announcing at his high school. Uh, so obviously uh, we'll be uh, following that for the next couple of weeks here. And good luck to him. That's actually two weeks from tomorrow. Uh, yes. if, you're, if you're, you know, kind of figuring that that date, that date out in your brain. It's one day after DeAndre Robinson, the young man from Orlando Jones, big defensive tackle, announces his decision. Uh, but we've got two other decisions coming up this weekend. Uh, let's start with the one that happens today, expected to happen today at 5 o'clock. Aaron Hampton, athlete out of Dangerfield, announces it's expected to between, be between Texas and Alabama. Both schools right now uh, going head-to-head -head for probably East Texas's most explosive player. Yeah, I think so. Definitely the best playmaker um, in, in East Texas. Uh, you know, he's a kid who – has been heavily recruited for a long time. His name was on the recruiting list his freshman year at John Tyler High School or Tyler High uh, before he uh, transferred up to Dangerfield. Uh, you know, 55 catches for 1,160 yards, 57 tackles, three interceptions, a kick return for a touchdown. I mean, he scored about every four to five times he touched the ball. Um, and he's just got real playmaking and ball skills. He's got instinctive uh, he makes instinctive moves with his body with ball in hand. So, yeah, he is that guy. I, I think it's one that Texas would like to win because you'd like to beat Alabama in East Texas for a prospect. I mean, he's the number 138th ranked player in on three industry rankings as a solid four-star guy in the top 150. Um, but he's a guy who was previously committed to Texas. What would be interesting about this recruitment, Bobby, is guys who decommit from one school rarely commit to the same school twice. That's so true. he would be yeah. he would be very he would be very out of the norm, but his recruitment's been out of the norm. So I don't think anything would surprise me with Hampton. I could see both schools thinking they're getting him as of this morning and seeing which way it goes at five. Yeah, and, and seeing if that that holds then thereafter, right? Yeah, um, because he's got a he's got a big senior year coming up. He transferred schools to Carthage now back at Dangerfield. Uh, so we're you know it's it's one of those things where this is you know we need to see what happens and what what and follow him throughout the year. 
Uh, but to Jerry's point, very explosive. Um, yeah. Tremendous player on both sides of the ball. Texas recruiting him as an athlete, could be a receiver, could be a DB. Um, in, in my opinion, uh, you know, to, and Jerry and I have talked about this, just pound for pound as an athlete, one of the best in the state of Texas without question. Yeah. That's, I, why I, got, I, that's why he's got Texas and Alabama fighting yeah. over him, you know, with five five or so, six hours here to go before he makes a decision. I see him as a loose limb Jordan Whittington as a wide receiver prospect, if that makes sense. I, I yeah, just no, he played a lot in the slot. Yep. And ran up the sling. See, I, 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 I've watched his video multiple times, and I could see that comparison when you use the term, add the term loose limb, because right. Jordan is kind of a little bit, um, his, his catch radius isn't as wide as Aaron's. Right. Um, and he's not necessarily, he's, he, Jordan's shifty, but it's kind of that power shifty. Right. That guy. I, I agree with that. All right. That that's at five. We obviously, uh, will have coverage of that. Uh, if, uh, anything happens positively for the university of Texas, uh, Jerry, the next person that is up on the block is Malik Blockton. Yes. <laughs> and that's it. Uh, tomorrow. Uh, we don't, do we know the exact 3 PM? I think it's 3 PM, 3 PM tomorrow. Uh, Malik is the uh, defensive lineman out of uh, Pike Road, Alabama. He's coming down to Texas and Auburn. Tell us a little bit about him and where the Longhorns stand right now. Yeah, very interesting recruitment again. I think both schools have confidence. Auburn and Texas, that's where this decision's coming from. Texas is the only official visit he took in June. That's normally a pretty good sign for a school. He has Auburn scheduled November 24th. I'm, I'm, uh, that's obviously around the Alabama game, right, for his official visit. His brother Marcus Harris is a senior defensive lineman at Auburn. I think a lot of people on the Auburn side just think he's going to end up at Auburn. Uh, you know, I'm not so sure. I, I think we'll see tomorrow at three. I think Texas had a great visit with him. Um, I think that if he picks Texas, he wants to carve his own path. He wants to do his own thing. Um, look, Texas moving to the SEC is the only reason. I mean, Bo Davis done a good job, but let us that's the reason Texas is in this thing. He was only looking at SEC schools realistically. I mean, he threw Troy out on his list to be nice. He's from Troy. Uh, but he was looking at the Floridas, Tennessees, Texas, um, Auburns of the world. Um, so this was Texas moving to the SEC again. That's what's getting Texas right there in these recruitments with a lot of these kids in the Southeast region. That's really all you can ask. Um, but I think there's confidence on both sides. I, I'm very I'm an interested observer, as I put it on Inside Texas on this. I've not put in an RPM yet um, I, I, for either one of these guys uh, that's announcing this weekend. I, I, I'm not sure I ever would for Hampton, by the way, but uh, <laughs> it's just been yeah. too much in the recruitment. But Blockton, um, it, it, it's. 6'3", 275 with a 79, 80-inch wingspan on his on his official visit to Texas from what we heard. He's going to be a 300-pound guy. Um, he has long arms. He understands how to leverage, use those long arms. He's got a good long arm move. Um, he's got strong hands. I, I like his playing strength. I like his physicality. I like his toughness. I think he can get a little more flexibility in the hips and le really learn how to fire off the ball a little bit more. But his upside is there. He's going to be a 300-pound guy. Um, and again, which way this goes, I could see it going either way, but I do know there's confidence on both sides. So if you just look at the picks in our industry, it wouldn't say there's confidence on the Texas side. I don't think that's accurate right now, Bobby, that could change tomorrow morning, but I'm, I'm talking about where Texas has felt as of yesterday. Yeah. I mean, look, he's visited, I, I mean, when I went and he's visited Auburn at least nine times right. in the last two years. He's visited Texas, I believe, twice. So yeah. let's let's be clear. 
Um, it would be an upset at the same time. He may be wanting to set his own path away from his away from his brother. There's yeah. been some turnover at Auburn as That's well. Right. Um, and uh, Texas right now, uh, three years in a row with Steve Sarkeesian. A little bit it, different situation. It, it'll be interesting. One of the big things, and Alex January was going to Texas the whole time, unless Texas messed that recruitment up, honestly. But one of the big negatives around LSU, who was finished second with Alex January, is how much defensive line coaching turnover they had. Auburn's kind of in a similar situation there with Blockton. So if Blockton ended up going Texas way, I think that would be a big part of it. Uh, interesting. All right. Uh, now, after that, Melvin Hills, young man out of Lafayette, announces, yeah. uh, I believe that's Wednesday is the 12th. Gotcha. Um, and, and so my question for you there is anything changing? Because I read an article on an on three site that didn't have necessarily Texas out front. Was he playing possum a little bit for folks, in your opinion? I think he's playing possum a little bit. I think it's Texas over Ole Miss right now. You know, LSU's had some contact with him. He hasn't been on campus there. Uh, I actually talked to Melvin twice this week, um, and he, he says he hasn't been on campus at LSU uh, for a minute is what he says. I don't think he was on campus there this summer. Um, so I think, again, the only two official visits he took were Texas and Ole Miss. He, and after the Texas visit, he canceled Oklahoma State visit, which he had scheduled for the last weekend in June. Um, so I think that's where, you know, he's including Auburn in there. He put out a top five. But right now this is Texas over Ole Miss as far as who's leading. Um, and LSU, obviously, you can't count them out. His sister does attend school there. And I do think um, if LSU had recruited him early, I think they would have been the odds on favorite. Uh, but since they didn't, and then they've had that defensive line coaching uh, overturn. Now, what helps LSU if they tried to make a move, whether this kid commits to Texas uh, next week or not, LSU could still try to make a move because the defensive, new defensive line coach is from South Carolina. And he was after Melvin at South Carolina for over a year, like Bo Davis was. So that's something to watch. Even if he commits to Texas, these recruitments aren't over. Got it. Uh, all right. So just to sum up there, Corian Gibson, uh, yep. one of the top-rated players in the country, a defensive back out of Lancaster, announces either Texas or Clemson on the on the 22nd of July. We believe Aaron Hampton later today, young man out of Dangerfield, announces at 5 p.m. Malik Blockton. Tomorrow at 3 p.m., he's a defensive lineman out of Alabama. Then we have Melvin Hills, uh, and he is out of Lafayette. He announces on July 12th. Uh, DeAndre Robinson, I forgot, also July 21st. So that's right. that's five recruitments that we know have a timeline right now. Well, and let's add T.J. Lindsey and Jaden Jackson from IMG because they do we know exact timelines or they right? have not they have not announced the date, but they report on July 20th to IMG. And I think ideally both those guys would like to have a decision before July 20th or before practice when practice starts in August. So it could carry into late July, that last weekend in July. We'll have to see. But coming out of the Texas visit weekends, both of those kids wanted to have a decision by July 20th when they report to IMG because they want to do their announcement at home with their family, which is understandable. Jaden Jackson was thinking about July 4th. He already bumped that back. So we'll see if either one of those guys actually announces here before they report to IMG. I tend to think they will. All right. Important recruiting stuff coming up for Texas. Jerry, we have two more uh, discussion topics I want to get to before we get going here. Uh, by the way, we will have a live stream at fr Friday at 1 o'clock. If you have specific questions for Jerry, Ian Boyd, or myself, uh, please join us there uh, and get those in. Uh, let's, let's go to this, uh, Jerry. 
Big 12 yesterday uh, announced its media preseason poll. Texas clearly has a target on its back. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. That's good, and I love that. Um, I, I I think that's where a team ascends, is if you can handle the preseason hype, if you can handle the expectations, then you've arrived. I, I really believe that's what it's all about. I mean, if you look at these great programs, and look, think about when Texas was, was really good under Mac. Um, you know, there was so much pressure on them to perform. And they went out and performed. They had an amazing run for, for, for a decade, right? And sometimes it didn't match up to the fans' expectations. But when you look at it nationally, Texas had a hell of a run under Mac Brown. But those kids, those kids welcomed the expectations, and they didn't run from them. And I think that's when you ascend as a program, when you, when you start to meet those preseason expectations and they don't weigh you down. Let, let me read these off, yeah. uh, Jerry. Uh, Texas at one, Kansas State at two, Oklahoma three, Texas Tech four, TCU five, Baylor six, Oklahoma State seven, uh, UCF newcomer uh, at number eight, uh, Kansas at nine, uh, 10, Iowa State, 11, BYU, 12, Houston, 13, Cincinnati, 14, West Virginia. Man, they have fallen off the cliff a little bit uh, up there in Morgantown. Uh, Jerry, I'm going to ask you a simple question here. Yeah. Overrated, underrated. I think think Baylor's dramatically underrated and one that you think is dramatically overrated. I think Baylor's overrated at six. I could see them finishing below Oklahoma State, UCF, and Kansas. I'm just not not sure that that program is where it it was headed under Matt Rule. And that's nothing on – you know, I'm not talking negatively on the staff. I just think they lost Joey McGuire to Texas Tech. They've they've lost some really good players. It's a lot of speed. Now, they have a returning quarterback, but so does Kansas. So does UCF. Um, so I think Baylor's the overrated. I think the underrated, that's a tough one for me. I mean, I guess if you look at it, could Houston finish seven or eight in the conference? Possibly. I think Donovan Smith's going to be really good for them in that scheme. I think Matthew Golden's really good at wide out. I think they've got multiple wide outs. I just don't know if on their offensive line they can truly compete um, in the Big 12 through the, the through the entire schedule. Uh, that's the one for me. Um, it would be easy to sit here and say Matt Campbell's underrated at 10, but I just think the guy stayed too long, and I love the guy as a coach. I just don't think it has the, they have the same talent level at running back and probably on defense as a whole is what they had for the three-year run. It's kind of crazy, but I'm going to go same as you uh, on overrated. I, I don't see Baylor in the top half of this conference. I don't um, 
Uh, now it doesn't mean they won't end up there. I mean, I right. you know, stranger things have happened. They've got a good defensive front, uh, defensive line coming back, but they lost a lot in the secondary, uh, particularly uh, a guy to Arkansas that I thought was going to be a pro player. Uh, uh, so I, I look at that, and I, I don't know. Uh, Dave Aranda certainly has a lot to prove in his uh, third year now at Baylor. Uh, overrated, uh, or excuse me, underrated. I think there are two here um, that are clear to me. Kansas at nine, yet they have four first uh, first team All Big Twelves. Yeah, there's no way the the number nine team in, in the conference is going to have four first team All All Big Twelve selections right. if those are true. Um, I would say that, uh, and I do like their quarterback. And yeah. as we know, Steve Sarkeesian calls quarterback the most important position in college football. I think you and I agree with that. Yeah. Um, and if he's the straw that stirs the drink and, and he's the guy in Lawrence, uh, I think you could see the Jerry is a little bit different. I think people are sleeping on BYU a little bit. I, I know they're not. Uh, I know they're not the BYU of the 80s and 90s that would score a thousand points a game and throw the ball around. But I'll tell you what, it's been a solid program for a long number of years. They beat Baylor last year in Provo. I mean, they're they're better, in my opinion, Jerry, than maybe uh, people give them credit for uh, because they – I think they replace talented players with more experience – with experienced yeah. players and older players, and it gives them less of this um, – roller coaster of a ride when they lose athletes uh, like they do to the NFL draft. Yeah. I, I, and I'll say this about BYU too. I think they have an advantage, especially early in the year one and year two of the big 12. Well, whatever it's going to look like in year two, but this year, these teams don't play in altitude. Like you said, Baylor went up there and lost. And that is a really good home base and uh, home field. They're going to be fired up for all these big 12 teams to come up there. Uh, so I think BYU has a chance to pull some upsets this year, uh, to your point, because they're talented enough, they're experienced. They're almost like an experienced college basketball team, right? They're like probably got to be one of the older teams in college football, right? Uh, but I really think that home field advantage playing an altitude early on for teams that are not accustomed to it, it, it that helps BYU in home games. I didn't think about altitude. That's a good point. All right, uh, let's move on to uh, good news here. Uh, the Longhorns and, and uh, Rodney Terry, Jerry, I tell you what, dude, uh, he has done a good job this offseason. People question him from the very outset because he didn't get this guy or that guy, but hes I think he's pieced it all together. He lost two guys to the G League recruits. Right. What are you going to do when he has two millions of dollars over you? I mean, not like not like you can say, oh, they made wrong decisions. Right. Um, at the same time, and, and – to be fair, also, Chris Beard recruited those two guys, not just Rodney Terry. So you can't blame Rodney Terry for over uh, over recruiting those guys or uh, and losing them to the G, G League, per se. The question I have for you, Jer, is this. Um, the, the, P, uh, the young man, Thea Horton, I think from um, yeah. UCF that just added, is this the last one in combination with the uh, the guard uh, swing man out of uh, Fort, uh, Fort Bend that had committed – to Kansas or what's going on now? Yeah, I think it's he's the last piece of the puzzle that would play on the court this year. 
I'm not sure he's the last addition to the roster necessarily. Um, so people can take from that what they want. Um, but I, I think Horton is a huge addition to this team because he's a six, four and a half guard who doesn't have to be ball dominant. He can play off the ball. He's a 38%, 37.6 career three-point shooter. He made 78 threes last year at UCF, which is a tough conference, AAC with Houston, Memphis. There's some really good teams in that league. They put up 30 on Memphis. He played two years in the ACC at Pitt, 35 games. He put up 25 at FSU, 19 at North Carolina, 18 against Miami. He's had some big scoring games against really strong competition and at comparable athletes and at times better athletes and NBA prospects, more of NBA prospects. I think it's a huge addition because Texas can now put three guards on the court. If they want to start uh, Hunter, Acemas, and Horton, that's three guards who have a lot of experience. Uh, they can really shoot the ball. Acemas and in, in, in Horton going to make it open up the floor for Tyrese Hunter to drive it. You can play fast if Dylan Mitchell and Desu are your other two starters in that group. Uh, but then you can bring Weaver off a bench and more of a Jabari Rice role. You can continue to bring Brock Cunningham off the bench, which I, those two energy guys, I thought Texas had such good bench play last year with Rice, Cunningham, uh, Christian Bishop and the guys, they brought energy off the bench in multiple players. And there was some talk about starting Brock Cunningham at three. That's not, I don't like that. He's not good off the dribble. I like his energy off the bench. I think that's where he really thrives. So I think Horton was great from a starting lineup standpoint, a, a great from a shooting standpoint, 83% free throw shooter. Look, Bobby, the guys that are coming back last year from this team, they're going to shoot in the majority of threes are transferred in. They're going to, they're around 36 and a half percent from three. That's more than UConn, the national championship last year. That's right around where Miami was, who went to the Final Four. I think Acemas and Horton are going to do better. They may, may have career years shooting the three because they're going to be around better players. It wouldn't shock me to see Texas shoot 37 38% from the three this year, which would be the best since Kevin Durant, DJ Augustine, and Abrams played together. Um, and then uh, – and then I could see the free throw, all the guys coming back shot 77% from the free throw line, Bobby. If they do that, if you shoot 37% from three, 76, 77 from the free throw line next year as a team, you're going to be really good and you're going to score 78 to 80 a game, which is Texas goal. They want to play a fast, inviting style for the fans, for future recruits. And I think they've got the talent and versatility to do it. The big key for this team is going to be how much Dylan Mitchell improves to me. I think they're going to be better on the interior. They got more length. They got more depth. Uh, and Yim is a physical defender that was a two foot leap, powerful leaper. Shedert, 6'11. D'Souza, a year older. Dylan Mitchell's a year older. They're going to be better there. How much Mitchell's improved offensively? If he takes a big step, Texas could go from rank 15 preseason to a top 10 team pretty easily. That's interesting because, you know, losing as much as they did, uh, Rodney Terry has certainly. Uh, yeah, I don't want to say he's hit a home run or anything like that right. because it's too early to say that. Right. Um, but I think that the job doesn't look too big for him. No. Does that make sense to you? Like, I think that was maybe the question when Texas hired him. You know, even though they made the run to the Elite Eight under him, he, he, he moved the team through uh, some difficult circumstances last year. I think that the key that a lot of Texas fans were wondering – you know, because he's only been at UTEP, right, in Fresno State. Yeah. Is a job like Texas too big for Rodney Terry as the head man with this recruiting via the portal in particular and then getting the, the bounce back from Kansas? 
I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, it just doesn't feel like the job's too big for him, which was, in my opinion, perhaps the biggest question mark of him getting named the, the successor in the first place. Yeah, I think a couple of things on that, and I totally agree. And 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 I get people wondering that and asking that. Texas fans has been on Inside Texas, been a lot of questions about that. I, I want Texas fans to think about this. When he sits in a staff meeting, he has Frank Haith, years of experience as, as a head coach. Rodney, Frank, Chris Ogden, all on the Texas staff when they went to the Final Four. Part of recruiting all these NBA players and all that talent to Texas. Steve McLean, former head coach in college basketball. Ogden, head coach at UTA. He's got four, three guys he can look at that were all head coaches. Um, then you have Ogden help Beard build Texas Tech. Then he left, right, to be the head coach. Um, Rodney Terry and Haith help Barnes build the final four team, right? I mean, they have so much experience uh, on this staff, and Steve McLean's been part of some really good staffs. Um, they have so much experience when they sit down in the coaching meeting. I think that helps. I mean, Brandon Chappelle's the only young assistant really on the staff. Uh, so I think if, if it was just a Rodney and a bunch of young, inexperienced assistants, I'd probably be like, man, he's got a tough job ahead of him. But there's so many experienced guys who have been through the wars on the court in recruiting, um, I think ha having Ogden as his general manager is huge um, from the NIL component and everything that goes into being a big-time basketball program now. I think the hard part is now in front of all these guys, and that's building the chemistry with the team. But that's college basketball, period. Kansas had as much overhaul as Texas. Baylor had a lot. These programs, either, either every year or every two years, almost have a rebuild. Uh, so building this team chemistry is going to be the most difficult uh, part of the equation for Rodney because there's so many new faces. If he if he gets that done with these guys, then they have a chance to be really good. That's good. That's good to hear, Jerry. All right, uh, Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas and on three. Uh, don't forget live stream at one o'clock uh, on Friday, uh, so you can catch up on any questions or uh, more recruiting discussion as well as team discussion. Uh, also, we have Aaron Hampton announcing at 5 p.m. on Friday. Malik Blockton at 3 p.m on Saturday afternoon. All right, for Jerry Hamilton, I'm Bobby Burton. That's been this episode of On Texas Football.